Here at Just Baseball, we have teamed up with BetMGM for the 2023 MLB season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use code JUSTBASEBALL, and you will get up to a $1,000 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Step number one, download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code JUSTBASEBALL. Step number two, deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game. Step number three, you will receive receive up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your bet loses. Just make sure you use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL when you sign up. Disclaimer, 21 plus to wager. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in Washington, D.C., Mississippi, Nevada, New York, and Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Colorado, Washington, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. Call 1-800-522-4700 in Kansas and Nevada. Call 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. Call 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Call 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL and get your $1,000 first bet offer today. Okay, so today's Just Baseball show is a little unique. It is August 2nd today, Wednesday, August 2nd. You will hear Peter Apple say that today is August 1st. You are hearing the live show from last night that we did in the hour leading up to the MLB trade deadline. We recapped uh, all the deals that went down in the previous 48 hours, really everything we hadn't talked about on the Just Baseball show and everything that came in down the stretch. There were trades that we did not get to that came in after the 6 o'clock buzzer. Uh, we will get to those tomorrow. We will also talk about Framber Valdez's no-hitter in under 100 pitches. That will be on tomorrow's Just Baseball show. This is, again, that live show that we did yesterday. Thank you so much for joining us. If you joined us yesterday, right at the deadline, whether it be on YouTube, on Twitch, on Twitter, wherever you were to join us. Be sure to follow us on all those platforms, especially YouTube. Just hit 10,000 subscribers on YouTube, which is very fun. As always, Just Baseball Show brought to you by BetMGM. And without further ado, here is the live show from last night. Hello and welcome, everybody. It is August 1st. It is deadline day. We are recording right now at 5 p.m. Eastern. Welcome to the live version of the Just Baseball Show brought to you by BetMGM. I got Arm Layton, I got Jack McMullen, and I'm Peter Apple. And we are going to live react to some of the moves that are going to come across the ticker in the next hour and then go over all the moves that have just happened today on deadline day. But first, we are brought to you by the king of sportsbooks, and that is BetMGM. Sign up and deposit into your newly created account using promo code JUSTBASEBALL. 
Download the BetMGM Sports app on iOS or Android or visit BetMGM.com. Place your first bet offer and receive up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if it loses. If the bet does lose, your bonus bets will be available once the wager is settled. Remember, gambling problem? Call or text 1-800-GAMBLER and must be 21 or older. Guys, we're doing this a little bit differently, right? Normally, we record on on Zoom. It's posted the next day. This is a live show. So if you're listening on audio the next day, we might have little breaks answering questions. This is going to be a blast. Aram, you don't have the normal smile on your face. We'll talk about the Marlins deal first. Jake Eater for Jake Berger. How are you feeling? Um, it's a trade. It, it is a swap of players. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, look, I, I knew that it was going to be one of those where the Marlins would probably have to give up a little bit more to, to get a, a bat that could potentially help them. But I thought that Jake Eater, who looked really good over the last couple of starts as he comes back from Tommy John and uh, punched out 10 in his last double-A outing, slider looks unbelievably good. The fastball is back up to the mid-90s. Like Lots of scouts are in on this guy. He looks really good overall. I thought that would get you something better than – you know, a, a guy that's, you know, a low 200s hitter, a lot of power, doesn't walk at all, uh, and doesn't give you much defense. I love Jake Berger's story. He had an awesome interview on Behind the Seams with us as well as a guy that, you know, has overcome two Achilles tears, which is really impressive. And, and like, it's amazing what he's been able to do for his career here. But again, that's also an important note here. This is a guy that's already defensively limited off of two Achilles tears uh, that, yes, he comes with control. But this is kind of this magical year for him where he's it's come together and he's hitting home runs. What happens when the home runs aren't there? Where are you getting production from Jake Berger if he's not hitting a, a ridiculous pace of home runs? He doesn't walk. He doesn't give you defense. and He doesn't do much else. I, I thought this was a really steep price to pay for Jake Eater. But in a vacuum, the Marlins did get a little bit better offensively. And I guess that helps. And they got a marketing ploy. Potential yeah. burger, maybe in Lone Depot Park. Jack, you were smiling way too hard when Arm was talking. Way too Yeah, hard. it's awesome. I, I love it. <laughs> I think it's a great deal. Um, borderline for both sides. No, I I mean, Burger's got 25 pumps. Like this, Marlins offense needed another guy that can hit homers that isn't named Jorge Soler. And obviously Soler, it's, it's a loaded conversation around Soler with the Marlins in the present and the future. And they got a guy that, you know, has ample control uh and can hit homers but there are a lot of flaws in that approach which is why he had a combined 66 games uh in 2021 and 2022 and this guy tore his achilles re-ruptured his achilles uh as he was working his way back in a freak accident i mean as arm said it's a great story but i mean rick Hahn is like i don't want to He's cooking. I don't want to applaud a team that like got itself in this position in the first place. You know what I mean? Like I'm not, I can't sit here and say like, good job, Rickon. Good job, Billy Epler. But with, with the hand they dealt themselves, I mean, they're kind of making the most of being sellers when they shouldn't yeah. have been sellers. Arm, there's a good question in the chat. Is Arm Jake Berger jersey incoming? Look, I, I like Jake Berger, the person. Like, again, that interview on Behind the Scenes was awesome. So, like, Marlins fans that are listening, go check that out. Like, he's 
awesome dude, easy to root for. So that's what makes it like shitty. Not like not liking the trade doesn't mean I don't like Jake Berger. So like if Berger is fun and like he had some big homers, like sure, I'll, I'll get a Jake Berger jersey. Like I I am rooting for Jake Berger, the the player and the person. But like just from a pure business standpoint, Jake Eater is going to be a big league starter. He's going to be in our top 100 update. And this isn't like me being biased towards Marlins prospects. He wasn't on our top 100 before the year because I wanted to see how he'd look physically when he came back. And now every start that I've watched, he's looked better and better and better. And I think the way you look at it transactionally, White Sox are buying a guy that are go- that's going like this in Jake Eater, who's already proven that he can shove at the double-A level. And you know, I don't, I'm not going to say that Jake Berger's going like this, but the Marlins are buying a guy that – is he going to get much higher than this? Is Jake Berger magically going to learn how to walk? Is he magically going to, you know, improve his, his whiff numbers? Like, I don't think so. You're hoping he's going to run into baseballs consistently. Maybe he does. Maybe he will always be that low 200s, high power guy. But that's more tolerable when you can play good defense like a Joey Gallo and you can walk like a Joey Gallo. If you don't walk and you don't play good defense, you really got to run into baseballs. And I, I just don't like the idea of betting on that always being there. Hey, Cohen, 503 DJ Local said $1 burger night. I mean, you got to understand price points, man. Like, you can't do a burger for a buck. You can do five dollar burger, burger night. You nobody, especially at Lone Depot Park, you cannot afford one dollar burger night. So, five dollar burger night, I, I'm here for it. Let's move to the biggest trade that was made today. Justin Verlander is making a reunion with the Houston Astros in exchange for two pretty damn good prospects. And Jack, you and I talked about it on the latest episode, and I'm sure that you and Arm have have said the same thing, that the Mets are repurposing, or at least that's the word that Billy Epler liked to call it instead of a rebuild, which is just a fancy way to say rebuild and not get Mets fans, you know, out and about burning down City Field. But it is sort of smart if you have the wallet that Steve Cohen does. So basically, Justin Verlander, was sent to Houston, and all Houston is going to have to do for the rest of his contract is pay about $29 million. If it vests. If, if it, it vests. He throws 140 innings next year. He he gets that, what is it, 35 mil or 30 mil, something like that. Aram, thoughts on the prospect hall? Because Mets fans, I mean, why would they care about the money? All they're going to get now is two really, really good prospects in exchange for a 40-year-old starting pitcher when it's clear that they're not going to compete this year. I mean, to, to get Drew Gilbert and Ryan Clifford is crazy. Um, because, I, I, like, I know we were talking about how Verlander's been throwing really well lately, and and there's no doubt about that. Like, he has been throwing much better over his last six starts, and you know, I, I think he's definitely a much better option than Max Scherzer, which is why you get this return. But it's amazing how the Mets, you know, they're using money, leveraging their financial, you know, advantage to be able to get prospects. Gilbert is a guy that was going to be right around the 50, 60 range in our top 100 update. Everyday center fielder, very high probability, you know, above average tools across the board. I loved what I saw from him on the backfields before the season. And then Clifford's one of the biggest risers in that Astro system. Um, crazy power. Exit velocities over 111, 112 miles an hour. You see 11th round pick, but he got late second round money in the 2022 draft as a high schooler, this is a dude that they may have picked up right on the brink of, of, you know, I would say kind of exploding. He's got some things to figure out. He's a little bit limited defensively. Ironically reminds me of like a lefty Mark Vientos uh, in this Mets system. So there's a lot of similarities there. 
you add that as a supplemental piece to a guy that is a very high probability big league center fielder who should climb quickly in Drew Gilbert, you got to feel really good if you're the Mets. I know this isn't what Mets fans wanted, but this isn't Steve Cohen saying, oh, this this stinks. We're going to dump everything for nothing. Instead, leveraging the money, saying, hey, we messed up here. Let's try to retool. All of a sudden, this Mets system is looking a lot better, and now they've got some more money to work with this offseason. You know they're going to they're gonna go make, make some things happen. So this question is for the both of you, and I got this during my TikTok Live, and we'll just start with Jack first. Did the Mets win this deal? And I was like, that's such a complicated question because first, we don't know how good these prospects will end up being. Right now, we think very highly of them, but we know what happens with prospects. Some work, some don't, some are superstars, some never even make it to the big leagues. So, but just looking at it at face value, looking at what the prospects they got back, I think a better question instead of did they win the deal do you like this direction that the yeah. Mets are going? Yeah. Do you like the fact that Steve Cohen decided, and which is a tough decision. You spend so much money in the offseason. You come into Queens and you say, we are going to win a World Series and it's going to take five years. Now he's on year three or four and he's selling, which takes a lot of cojones. Do you like that Steve Cohen put aside his ego and said, this is now the new direction, because I think he wants to become the Dodgers. He wants to become the Astros, where they have this bevy of prospect talent, and let's say they want to go buy later. Now they have pieces to go make trades in the future. So do you think the Mets are making the right decision by making these moves? Well, so Steve Cohen is the only guy in baseball that has the net worth to play MLB The Show in real yeah. life. Like, let, let's acknowledge that. Nobody can blow it up this quickly. A.J. Preller did, like, probably the best example of it when he first took over in San Diego. He made all those moves. Let's say it was what? It was Justin Upton. It was Matt Kemp. It was Craig Kimbrell. And they were all gone within a year because it was like, oh, shit. All right. It didn't work. Whatever. Um, so I, I think Steve Cohen has the financial flexibility to do that. Do I appreciate the gut check that the Mets have made? Absolutely, I do. Um, I'm glad you pivoted from that original question because like, and no offense to the question, but it's like the hardest question and my least favorite question to answer because we have no idea what Clifford's going to be. I thought Daz Cameron was going to be awesome when Verlander was traded from Detroit to Houston. So I think that the Astros got exactly what they needed. And in a year where Luis Garcia was TJ'd up and Jose Urquidy was dealing with something until like literally right now. And Christian Javier is a very subdued version of what he has looked like the last two years. They got the reigning Cy Young award winner and they got him back. I hope he didn't you know, give up his lease in Houston. Um, but man, I, I like what the Astros did in terms of win now, win next year as well. Capitalize on this window and frankly, they don't need Drew Gilbert or Ryan Clifford. The Mets can use them down the road. So I, I would say they both won. They both got exactly what they needed to do done. And I think that that is the best thing that you can say about a trade like this. So Arm, you're in charge of our website, right? And we're going to need, because you know ESPN is going to come out with trade grades and give somebody a B plus. Mm -hmm. So we probably have to do that. Yeah. So everyone, the everyone right answer is what Jack said, but should we just give somebody a C in this? <laughs> Honestly, like I, I love it for both sides. I really do. I was surprised. I didn't think that Drew Gilbert would be available 
in, in a deal like this? Because I, I know it's Justin Verlander, but you know, it's, it's not Justin Verlander totally anymore, you know? So even though he he's good, I was surprised. lately, he has been, yeah, he has lately. been, he Verlander has been, too. yeah, no, that, that is the good news. And I think that helped a lot. And I think that made it more palatable and they're familiar with him. And it's a place where he was throwing better. So I think all of those reasons made them a little bit more aggressive. I, I think both teams made out really well. I wish I could, I wish I would love to give the Mets a C whenever I get a chance to, and I would love to give the Astros a C whenever I get the chance to, but both of them I thought did really well. And, I feel how many how much better, Peter? How much better do you feel about the Astros now? Even if Justin Verlander is a low threes guy the rest of the way and through the playoffs, how badly did they need that? Now they have a guy that's capable of doing way more than that, but how much better do you just feel about the Astros now, given all the things that Jack just laid out? I'm gonna put it into a words into a couple of words, and I'm gonna use what Jack said. Jack said when we were talking about the Astros rotation, hey. Jose Arquiti is coming back. And then he kind of gave me a shrug. And I'm like, come on. That's the reinforcements here? Are we being serious? Because Christian Javier does not look like the same pitcher he was last year. Now, J.P. France is giving them solid innings. But is he starting game three of the ALCS? They have Framber, who is a stud. But Framber can be hit around a little bit. He's not throwing well right now. He's got, what, a 70 RA in his last five starts? Exactly. They had to add a starting pitcher. They absolutely had to. This is as dire of a rotation that I think we've seen from Houston since before Verlander even got there. So they absolutely needed to make the move. It was potentially for Eduardo Rodriguez, who we're going to talk about in a second. They were floated in the Dylan Cease type conversations. But what's a better move than getting back Justin Verlander, who's already done it with you guys, And he's also pitching really, really well right now. This isn't the Verlander that was dealing with an armpit thing at the beginning of the season. This is Justin Verlander with an ERA below two over his last six starts. So, yes, you had to give up two extremely good prospects. But at the same time, who are you moving off of in their lineup right now? And the Astros, they're not this super poor team. They can go sign a free agent offensively who's proven already but at the same time i love the prospects that the mets get back i'm not i'm not trying to say that no i mean the the answer there if you're looking at gilbert would have been Chaz mccormick like you either move off of Chaz and you play drew gilbert or or the answer if you're looking at a clifford or a gilbert is kyle tucker like you just don't sign him to a massive deal that he's going to command so like all the guys are on the roster these guys were not going to help the 2023 houston astros it's just they're like, hey, we'll figure it out in 2025, which is fine. So speaking about the pitcher that was almost traded to the Houston Astros and almost traded to the Los Angeles Dodgers, Eduardo Rodriguez, there was a deal in place for him to be sent to the Los Angeles Dodgers. And he said no. He invoked his 10-team no-trade clause that included the Los Angeles Dodgers and just said, I am not going to Los Angeles. Do you think there's still bad blood there from the Red Sox-Dodgers World Series? I think he's just weird, bro. (laughs) Think about it. Why would you not want to leave Detroit to go play with the Dodgers and try and win a World Series? I mean, Aram, what are we doing here? And I know nobody here has an answer, No, I've we can speculate for fun. I've got one. Go to... Real quick, Aram, before you talk, go to Baseball Savant. Look at Park Factor by Home Runs. 
Dodger Stadium pretty friendly to hitters in terms of home run park. He wants to stay at Comerica. <laughs> he wants to stay at Comerica. He likes the God. park. Uh, that's a, I, Yeah, I don't think he cares that much about competing. Uh, maybe not. I mean, if, if you sign that long-term deal with the Tigers, uh, obviously we, we know he's definitely a unique guy uh, given the whole circumstance last year. Maybe he's comfortable in Detroit. Uh, it's really funny, though, because it's like, that's a tough situation to be in where he has the opportunity to veto a trade where you could probably have gotten some good, good assets there. They probably got, could have got a Michael Bush. I would love to know what the, uh, what the package was, but man, I, that would have helped the Dodgers a lot. And now does Erod get moved period? Uh, is there other teams that he would rather you know go to? Why do you not want to go to one of the best franchises in major league baseball uh, that you know is obviously going to play for, some some play for a title this year. No way around it. They're going to play for a title this year. I wonder why. I have no idea. Maybe it's the idea of he's going to have to go to another team after free agency, having to go all the way to the West Coast and then opt out and hit free agency. It's a lot for him. I don't know, but definitely weird. I, I was not expecting this. You know what this felt like? You're in high school and it's prom season, and the prettiest, most popular girl in school is looking for a prom date and goes up to just like, pretty decent looking guy and says would you like to go to prom with me and he just says no i'm no, just I'm gonna stay home and play video games i'm <laughs> yeah. good that's what it felt like to me the most pretty popular girl in school asks a seven out of ten dude do you want to go to prom with me is is that is he about a seven out of ten like six six and a half i would say he's a seven out of ten pitcher. yeah he he's pretty damn good this year. yeah right He's, he's not the guy, you know, he's not the star of the basketball team with the Letterman jacket on. He's probably like the best trumpet player in the band. <laughs> not like one of the trumpet players, but like he rips a trumpet, yeah. right? And he's like tall. He's like six foot. He's a little bit taller for his age. Like could be cute to some girls. Okay, but like how much attractiveness comes with being a trumpet player? Uh, no, nah, I don't have I think the answer I, to that question. Yeah, but there's some cool guys that play the trumpet. But this is also a complete hypothetical. And I'm but envisioning no, I, I, like a little bit taller for his age, but like kind of scrawny. So grown into is, his body. It, it, is, it, it is wild. And here's the thing, too. He's going to get a lot of money in free agency, but I guess he's going to narrow his search. You know, he, the Dodgers ain't in on him or are the Mets going to be in on him. Like what, how many teams are – what if he opts in? What if he just takes less and opts in with Detroit? <laughs> like and now I'm like thinking there might be a chance this dude opts in. Um, wild. I, I hope that they have released the details of what the package would have been just because like, I, I do feel for Detroit fans, but it would be kind of funny to just see what they could have had. And instead they're just have uh, Erod who is not going to help them do anything this year because they're out of contention. Uh, but yeah, uh, this was definitely one of the more unique curveballs I think that we got uh, so far today. I got to say this though, Jack, my thinking is the Dodgers just lost out on Eduardo Rodriguez and Eduardo Rodriguez was going to cost a pretty penny. Right? He can rip a trumpet. Yeah. Do they pivot yeah. to Dylan Cease now? They have all the prospects to be able to do it. They're in the big-time starting pitcher's market. Verlander's gone. Scherzer's gone. I assume they are now on the phone with Rick Hahn saying, all right, Erod said no for some reason. What if Cease also says no? He's like, nobody wants to go there. Well, he has no right to say no. Yeah. <laughs> He's still fully ARB eligible. Um, sorry, I got totally sidetracked because 
the White Sox found the replacement to Dylan Cease. They just traded for Luis Patino for cash considerations. <laughs> That's really exciting. El Electrico is coming to the south side of Chicago. His name, his nickname is literally El Electrico. Uh, Patino has some talent. That's kind of fun. But doesn't he have like a seven ERA in the minors right now? Yeah, for sure. But okay. <laughs> arm talent. Um, yeah. No, I like. They can pivot to Cease. I think. So. We're going to hear whether it's like before the deadline and, and the White Sox say yes or the White Sox say no and it comes out in the next 24 hours. We're going to hear some sort of ludicrous package that was presented for Dylan Cease. And I have a feeling it's either Baltimore or the Dodgers. And I, I, I don't know, man. Like the Dodgers could be fun. I don't think they do that because they have enough coming off the IL. But again, they have enough like not coming off the IL. They have some guys that are, you know, seriously like, in the shit injury wise. So it's such a, it's such a weird situation. I think I would feel a lot better about the Dodgers situation if Gavin Stone looked the part, but unfortunately he doesn't look the part right now. And Emmett Sheehan, while we really like the young pitcher Emmett Sheehan, he's not throwing well enough to start a playoff game. Like Bobby Miller starting a playoff game. Who else? We hope a healthy Walker Bueller is back starting a playoff game. We hope a healthy Clayton Kershaw is back starting a playoff game. Julio Arias has a mid fours, high fours right now. So I don't know if they want to up, uproot the farm in a seller's market for Dylan Cease. Um, it is Dylan Cease, though. Yeah, it is. I just don't know where they're going, man. Like the Dodgers right now, Erod made a lot of sense, but now my brain is all sorts of places. Well, another Tigers player got moved. Michael Lorenzen to the Philadelphia Phillies in exchange for an infield prospect. And Jack's going to correct me here. How you Lee? I think he got it. Bang. Infield prospect. I don't know much about him. Arm, I'm just going to throw it over (laughs) to you. The Phillies get a big-time starter. I could definitely talk on the major league side of it. Yeah. I was surprised by this move, right? Phillies have Wheeler. They have Nola. They have Ranger Suarez. They have Christopher Sanchez. Who am I forgetting? And they have Taiwan Walker. But they decided we need to add a starting pitcher. I found this deal very surprising considering all the other contenders who needed starters. And Lorenzen has been very solid. That's why he was an all-star this year. That what like should he have been an all-star? Whatever. We can argue that all day long. But at the same time, like he has been objectively good. Maybe not all-star caliber, but objectively good. Phillies had another starter where I didn't think that's what they needed. What are your thoughts on the trade? Yeah, Jack, you want to go first or me? No, you go first. I, I like it. I, I don't think they desperately needed it. I think you're right, Peter. But I, I think if it, if it's out there and for whatever reason, the Tigers really like how you leave, you know, and you can get them for, for that's it. I think you, you go get them, right? I, I think it was a pretty good deal for them. How you leave is a, is a good prospect. He's solid. He's definitely one of their better position player prospects in the system. But limited upside, hit over power, good approach. High probability, big leaguer, but kind of utility type. You're probably not losing sleep over, you know, trading a guy like that. And on the flip side, you get somebody that, yeah, I know, Peter, you don't love Taiwan Walker, but I don't either. He threw well against the Marlins the other day, but that doesn't really mean much. But this does give you the opportunity to kind of ride the hot hand because there's there's been some volatility on the back third of that rotation or at least the four or five slot. It's been a little bit like who's going to step up and, you know, the way that Lorenzen's thrown in spurts, I think he can really help them, one, get to the playoffs, and then two, 
it just gives you another weapon and the ability to ride the hot hand. And, you know, God forbid somebody gets hurt and then you're looking at it, you know, in, in September and you're like, man, we can't get a pitcher now. I think it's a good insurance policy too, if it's not expensive. And I didn't think it was expensive for the Tigers. It's a good get for for, for Lee, but I, I thought you would have got a little bit more given what we were seeing some of these rentals bring in. I was surprised that this was all that, you know, Lorenzen was able to get them. I think they know it's probably a finicky mid threes from Michael Lorenzen because yeah. we haven't seen it before. And this is, you know, the new cut Lorenzen. How do we know that this At is America? Gonna, yeah. Like, how do we know that this is going to continue? Same thing with Tyler Wells and, and Tyler Wells was throwing like a beast front half of the year. And Tyler Wells had an all-star caliber pre all-star break season. But after the break, three starts, 11 earned, he's in double. He's a buoy base sock right now for innings management. So I, I mean, it's so risky it's it's I like comparing it to the Mitch Trubisky thing like he was a one-year starting quarterback and he went second overall like Michael Lorenzen's been playing this game for a long time and this is the first time we've seen sustainable success from him as a starting pitcher before that it was a lot of hope and now it's ship has sailed all of a sudden he recaptures this so I, I thought it was the appropriate price which is weird because I viewed a lot of these deals as overpays. I thought the Seawall deal was the best example of that. That was a crazy overpay. But I, I thought that this was pretty dead even. And you think about how how you leave factors into the Phillies. Trey Turner is the shortstop for a decade. Bryson Stott has five more years after this. You can extend Stott like it's fine. So there was no space for him. That's the thing. When you look at deadline deals like this, I know prospects are prospects and you shouldn't be thinking about, you know, big league availability for these prospects. But I mean, frankly, he was blocked. He was either going to have to learn a new position or an injury or a trade was going to have to happen to clear space for him. So I, I thought this was a perfectly fine deal. Immediate upgrade for the Phillies. I guess my only thing is too, is Christopher Sanchez was pitching really well. He got pulled after throwing five no hit innings and he's been very good for them, but Ranger Suarez has been very inconsistent over his last five starts because an ERA near seven when he was shoving in June. So maybe they decided, you know, we got to bolster this rotation because you never know with Wheeler and Nola, right? Both have dealt with arm injuries before, and it's not like Nola has been great this season anyway. Here's a groundbreaking idea for you. How about a six-man rotation for the next month? Next not four times idea. through. Why don't you go six-man? I, I think that they might be considering that too because, you know, we kind of saw Wheeler run out of gas a little bit in the postseason at points, and you know, I think it is a little bit about preservation. And uh, this does kind of allow you to to preserve those guys without going bullpen game, which which helps a ton too. And and maybe Lorenz in a, in a swingman role or out of the pen in the playoffs, you know, could be, could be a decent piece. Again, if they gave up something significant, I'd be scratching my head. But given that they didn't give up much – they probably called and they're like, you know, what do you want? And they said, how are you leave? And they said, all right, fine. Okay. I guess we got an extra pitcher now. <laughs> like, well, I, it's I, not I think, Painter. <laughs> yeah, it's not, not Painter, not able, like not even Johan Rojas. Like, okay, fine. Sounds good to me. So even Justin Crawford, like this is a guy that's probably – the Philly system isn't good and it's he's probably eighth in that system, ninth in that system. So, again, like we, we saw the market. This was a low-cost addition. So we got a couple of great comments in YouTube from behind the scenes, our new podcast on the Just Baseball Network. Marlins fans, go check out the interview with Jake Berger that they did. They've also done interviews with Lorenzo Kane. Great new podcast that we have added to the Just Baseball Network. Colton Wong saying goodbyes in the Mariners clubhouse. And then from Buff Man Bill, 
Mike Puma said Tommy Pham just left the Mets clubhouse in street clothes. I love I love the term street clothes. Yeah. It's just like, like street clothes. It's just normal clothing. As opposed um, to beach wear. Yeah. As opposed no, to your I, I, uniform. I'm wait, I'm waiting for the day where it's like like Tommy Pham just left the locker room in black like black tie attire. Like I like it's always street clothes. But no, I mean Pham had to be moved. It, it seemed like an inevitability and he, with what he does to left-handed pitching, that's a guy that's got to fit into a lot of different spots. I, I'm interested to see where he goes. Colton Wong, are, are they trading him to to the Mexican League? Like where's he, where's he going? Is he just getting DFA'd? I like I love Wong's story too, but like, what's what's the word there? I, they've got to be just like pack your bags, brother. You're going to Tacoma as opposed to wearing his baseball uniform. Yeah, I, I understand that. I just I always like that's someone coming. It's supposed to imagine if you get traded, you just leave in your in your in your baseball uniform, the full get up. <laughs> You and you can like hear you can hear Tommy Pham leaving the stadium because his cleats are just clacking. His cleats on the are just outside. Like... <laughs> All right. Someone another... said. Someone said. Sorry, I, this I had to read one more comment. Did you guys just see the biggest move was just made? The yes. Rangers acquired Austin Hedges. Yeah, he's oh, going to stay in baseball for forty years. I'm telling you, teams love Austin Hedges for his ability to frame the baseball. For him to still have a job while being the league's worst qualified hitter by a sizable margin. Franchise-altering from Hayden Harris there in the comments. I couldn't agree more. But Jonah Heim is now out. We don't exactly know his timetable to return. Thoughts? (laughs) Yeah. Cool. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, he's the new uh, Jeff Mathis. I saw... I saw a tweet. I think it was Austin Hedges could hit a hundred consecutive homers, and his career OPS would still be under eight hundred. He might hit a hundred consecutive homers with the Rangers. Have you seen the way that they're able to change offensive guys? Man, I mean, like who cares? <laughs> Respectfully, who cares? He had a four sixty seven OPS, and he was a trade target. What? I'm telling you, he's going to stay in Major League Baseball forever because he can frame the baseball, and pitchers must love him. Dude, he remember must be like when he no was, no- Remember when he was like a power prospect with the Padres? Like he was like, this guy's got some serious juice. He can be the Padres catcher of the future. And now he hit some decent ground balls to second. All right, let's talk about um, the Blue Jays adding some reinforcements. So Bobachet goes down. Luckily... I don't think there's any structural damage. I think it was in his knee. Correct me if I'm wrong. He said x-ray came back, no structural damage, day-to-day with knee inflammation. Perfect. So he's going to be okay. But the Blue Jays still added Paul DeYoung, right, from the St. Louis Cardinals. And the Cardinals haven't been huge sellers so far, but we still have 30 minutes until the end of the trade deadline. But they got back right-handed pitcher Matt Sponson. If I'm saying that correctly, sounds like a super Swedish way of saying Swanson. Yeah, but it's with a V yeah. and he has no game started. I don't think in the minors this year, Arm, he looks like a 24 year old reliever who has been shoving. I look, I know. I, I feel like I know a decent amount of guys in the minors. I got nothing on that dude. Nothing. Maybe he's a reliever. He, he could throw. He could throw. He could He's got like a one one two ERA in the minors this year. 
I mean, that's pretty nasty. I, I knew how old is he? I, I have no idea. 24. Okay. Yeah, that's a good get. Nice job. Nice job. Paul DeYoung goes to the Blue Jays. Jack, Galaxy Brain thoughts on that one. Yeah, no, I massive. Like this is going to alter yeah. the wrinkle of baseball history as we know it. Um, Pittsburgh receiving international bonus pool money from the Rangers in exchange for Austin Hedges. So uh, there's the return right there. I, the fact they got something is borderline unbelievable. Club option at 12 and a half next year. That's the easiest decline ever for Toronto. Um, DeYoung, again, he, like great guy. I saw he was um, – he was making food for a local food bank yesterday in St. Louis in like his last day as a St. Louis Cardinal. Like that's just good guy move. So Toronto's going to love dude. him. What a dude, man. But yeah, like this is depth. This is third middle infielder. They needed it. Uh, what Biggio is like a 670 OPS. Espinal, who I was so high on coming into the year. Santiago Espinal is a 610 OPS. So you terrible. needed some sort of offensive production from the middle infield. And I think you got it. Uh, in the wings of Bo Bichette and Whit Merrifield. I'd rather a Paul DeYoung right now than Santiago Espinal. Yeah. I mean, talk about a no, dude just getting this blown is an away upgrade over 95. This is an upgrade over Espinal and Kevin Biggio, and I'm not blanking twice. I wonder what the Blue Jays do with Biggio at this point, because how much run are they going to give him before they say, all right, like you're not working here in Toronto? And I know there's some Blue Jays fans that are Kevin Biggio truthers, and I honestly respect that. I mean, just to follow that guy around for for years, open for something. Respect to you out there. Stick there. Excellent. Yeah. yeah, just stick to itiveness. I like that. All right. Uh, Our arm, you have anything I, left on that uh, mega deal? No, I'm actually still like just kind of just trying to figure out what my exact feeling is on this Jake Berger trade, and I need help. Um, what what do you guys think? Like, do you guys think that Jake Berger can consistently be? a solid big league power bat. So I'll take you through, of course, the injuries. 2021, he played 15 games. He had a 119 WRC plus. Doesn't really matter. 2022, he did play 51 games. He punched out 31% of the time, 113 WRC plus at eight home runs. Then this year, 88 games, 32% K rate, 115 WRC plus, 25 home runs. Like, I almost feel like he's, he's like, you can kind of count on that or am i wrong like i don't i don't know maybe i'm trying to cope i, I don't know i think what you just did is you got a younger and more available moving forward garrett cooper yep no dude cooper can't hit. i don't think cooper's ever hit 25 home runs no his his season i mean he's never played more than 120 games he played 119 I, last I, year and that was his i high. see what jack's saying though just kind of like a old dude who's just gonna roll up to the ballpark and hit a little bit i know what jack's yeah. saying you're cool know, yeah. with him being your five hitter. So uh, Cooper, like if you if you extend Garrett Cooper's career over 162, he's a oh, 780 he's, OPS, hitting yeah, 270 with 19 pumps, 75 driven in. Yeah, pretty good baseball player. I think that's what you can expect from Jake yeah. Berger moving you're, forward. You're, except just like take away some contact, up the power. It's still roughly similar OPS and you similar output. Yeah, 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 that makes sense. And a little and, and not saying much, but at least capable somewhere other than first base uh which burger i'm not going to say burger can pick it at third but he's not he's, a liability at third base. Dude, if you put if you put garrett cooper at third base you'd have to have an ambulance on standby <laughs> like yeah man, it's not like jeans the girls helping out at third either no so no no might, you know what you just got you got a defensive upgrade you got a defense <laughs> but they were looking at the glove first yeah. no like, look I, I wanted to just like summarize one more because i i was still processing it 
I think it was a steep price to pay. I think they're better this year. They have some much needed power next year. I was also looking at the system. Who the fuck's coming up and helping them anytime soon in the power department? Griffin Conan. Yeah, maybe. Uh, this is what I hope Griffin turns into, to be honest. So, like, yeah. I, it, this is one of those where it's just like, you know, I, I think you have to kind of look at it and say, even if he is not any better than he's been, who's going to come up and, and give you this? If you're going to make the team better, you have to make some moves in the offseason anyways. Uh, I'm cool with it. We have not talked about Rich Hill. Yeah, before we get to Rich Hill and G-Man Choi, another incredible trade that's going to change the trajectory of the San Diego Padres forever. I want to answer this question because I was on Cardinals radio this morning and it's about Jack Flaherty. So the question is, Matthew Johnson, do you guys think Jack Flaherty to the Orioles work for Connor Norby? And I think he's saying Drew Romo. Drew Rom. Drew Rom. Okay. Romo is Romo's a I, Isn't it funny? One, yeah. one letter can take you from a pitching prospect to a switch hitting catcher. Well, one <laughs> first name can take Bob Nightingale from Drew Gilbert to Logan Gilbert. And a fringe, <laughs> and a fringe prospect. That was incredible. Yeah. But I, I really want to answer this because on Cardinals Radio, these guys were thinking, yeah, Jack Flaherty's going to get moved and what's going to be the prospect hall for it. And I broke it down like this. If I am a team trading for starting pitching right now, why would I give up anything for Jack Flaherty if I'm a contender, right? Because think about it. Cardinals fans, you've been watching Jack Flaherty all season long. If you put him on the Dodgers, if you put him on the Astros, put him on the Rays, put him on whoever you want that wants to win a World Series, they're not even going to start him game four. So what you'd be acquiring Jack Flaherty for is to fill innings in the regular season to get yourself to the playoffs, just to keep you within games if you have injured arms. I think what John Mosellock is going to find out, and I think that's why he hasn't been moved yet, of course there's still time, is that Flaherty is not going to get you a package even close to Connor Norby. He might not get you a top 30 prospect in any system. And I think Mosellock's going to sit there and be like, all right, we're just not going to trade him because, like, we're not going to get anything. Right, Jack? Okay, so that's what a rational thinker would think. <laughs> I think I have changed in the last 36 hours in regards to this market. Every deal that's coming in, I'm like, no way that's the return. That's a lofty return. If You I guys was, are also prospect huggers. I know, but if I was proposed, well, well. If, <laughs> if I'm John Mosellock, and Baltimore said, we'll go one for one, Flaherty for Connor Norby. I'm saying yes, and I'm running out of that room. I'm like, Can't, no, no take backs. No way the Orioles would do that. No way. Okay, but look at the market. Look at what's going on right now. Jake Eater for Jake Berger? Really? No, I'm, I'm, I just got a re- reply that says they can't trust me because I don't like the trade. So, um, no, I, I, I think the Marlins fleeced. I do. Um, Just no, it, it, it is. Now, I will say this. So I don't know if I would, I know that I do like knowing the prospects being into it, following them. It makes me less likely to want to part with them in certain deals, but there's also been several deals where like no brainer, I'm doing that. I, like I said, with the Astros, no brainer, I'll trade Drew Gilbert and, and Ryan Clifford. I didn't think they'd do it, but I would do it for Justin Verlander when I'm the Houston Astros right now. This, th- this situation though, when you're getting a, a Jack Flaherty, there's like a moving scale. 
if it's not a guy that guaranteed impacts my team, I don't want to part with a Connor Norby type. Maybe that is exactly. what, you know, that maybe that is the market, you know, in, in what we're seeing, but I'm not doing Norby for Flaherty, man. I just, I just can't do it. It's, it's a couple months of a guy that might literally not help me at all for a, a guy that I know will at least be a, a big leaguer in some capacity with six plus years of control. Like that's really tough to pallet. And I, and I know the Orioles definitely won't pallet that. No. I think the Orioles would trade a good prospect for Jack Flaherty. They won't even trade a good prospect for Corbin Burns. For Verlander. No, no they wouldn't. No, absolutely not. They, they could have no. done this exact trade for Verlander. Maybe even got them to eat even more money yeah. and not felt it in their farm system. At and, this point with Michael Elias, I'm convinced they wouldn't trade Colton Kowser for Roki Sasaki. No, I don't think so. I, <laughs> I think Michael Elias, genius guy with what they've been able to do with player development. And I'm just going to call it what it is. He's a scaredy cat. Yep. He really is. He's not I said gonna, it. We've been saying, I've been saying this about the Orioles. Like we keep trying to mock trades with them, with the big time starters. They're not going to do it. We got to get, we got to get like Michael Elias drunk. American League without it. Hey, we've we got to get him drunk. More minutes. We do have 19 more minutes. I hope they prove me wrong. I really do. I would love to see the Orioles send a big time package for a Dylan Cease or for a huge pitcher. I'm just waiting. And oh. we've been waiting for years. Arm, you're saying that because that's when bad decisions are made, right? Yeah, no, well, no, or that like if 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 you're nervous, you don't want to talk. To, well, I'll use another like example. You don't want to talk to the girl at the other side of the bar. You're nervous. You take a shot. You get a little liquid uh, courage, and you go. I think Michael Elias needs some liquid liquid courage. He, he's just he's just very scared. Um, yeah, but he needs like a bottle. Like, he <laughs> needs like any like a like a bottle of Buffalo Trace. Yeah, not just like a couple of shots. It's divine liquid. I wouldn't blame it is, him. It is good. I I also I gotta relax. I'm not much of a drinker, and now I have all these bottles, and like it's good. Did you get I your shipment? No, I haven't gotten my shipment yet. Okay. But I still have another bottle. I would I would have been the only one. But yes. No. Um, this from Sarah Langs, who is awesome. Just going back to the hedges thing real quick. Catcher framing runs. This is kind of like an odd assortment here. Austin Hedges leads baseball in catcher framing runs. Pat Bailey is second. Pat Bailey has been a revelation for San Francisco. Jonah Heim is third. Uh, Francisco Alvarez, fourth best catcher in baseball by catcher framing runs. And then William Contreras is fifth. So I, I found that to be a very interesting grouping of five. I think I'm just doing this podcast by myself because <laughs> Jack is only concerned about the Austin Hedges. Just keeps going back to it. And Aram, I don't even know if his brain is fully here. I think he's just looking at Jake Eater pitch data right now and trying to figure out why the Marlins would send him for Jake Berger. So I could just do this by myself or Aram, you have I'm here. Jake Berger. I'm <laughs> here. I'm here. I'm here. I'm I'm trying to to get Michael Elias drunk over here. I don't, I don't know what you, I don't know what you want from me. That's actually a good point. Talk about a drunk move. G-Man Choi and Rich Hill <laughs> to the San Diego Padres. I mean, Preller, what are we doing, dude? I mean, are we selling? Are we buying? I don't qualify that trade as buying. That's not no. buying. That's it's, not buying. It's a very bad attempt at buying, it feels you know like. What I, had, I had a thought. It was Galaxy Brain that they were going to trade Blake Snell and be like, well, we still have Rich Hill. Yeah, we added a lefty so we can subtract a lefty. Exactly. Makes sense. Yeah, I also didn't love, like, trading Jackson Wolf. Um, you know, a lefty who, like, has been really good this year. Like, the velocity is a little bit subdued, but, like, he's he's building and looking better and better. They even call him up to the big leagues. He was able to 
churn out a decent start for his debut, and then you're moving that guy for a 48 year old Rich Hill. But I do think like Rich Hill gives them some depth, and I think if they, you know, if they didn't want to give up quality prospects, but wanted to try to just fortify the team a little bit, this does that. It's to me, it's not like a buy. It's more just like a. I don't know, like it's almost like standing pat. It's a little bit better than standing pat. I, it's better than buying. Like if they bought, that'd be ridiculous. It, they just kind of stood pat and just reinforced the team a little bit and said, let's give it a shot. Like I'm fine with that. Just weird. I don't, think it's, I don't think it's ridiculous. I know what you're saying about if the San Diego Padres decided to buy. I look at the National League wildcard race and they're what, four and a half games out. I'm like, if they start clicking and they add a big time piece, like they were in on Justin Verlander, I would say, all right, like, I'm not counting the Padres out yet. So should they buy, looking at their team right now, you've had a lot of months to show us that you're a competitive ball club, and they won three straight against the Rangers. They were going for their first four-game win streak of the season, and what do they do? They lose to the Austin Gomber-led Rockies. That should be the nail in the coffin that you're not buying. Yeah. But at the same time, AJ Preller and the San Diego Padres, they've changed San Diego sports, right? There's no San Diego Chargers anymore. They're still selling out Petco Park every day, every day. So we're getting, oh no, we're, we're getting comments um, on YouTube saying Flaherty of the Dodgers. That's what Twitter is saying. Sorry, X. All right, so he's not going to the Dodgers. And I also think there's a funny comment here by Wags the Wagon. That's going to the flea market, not the trade market. That's kind of funny. <laughs> um, so right now, um, did you guys talk about Jaime Candelario to the Cubs yet on yesterday's show? No, I don't think we did. Let's talk about Jaime Candelario to the Cubs because I put out on Twitter, I am not the prospect guy and I never heard of these prospects before. So I basically said, well, the Cubs won. Because I haven't heard of them before. But that's not there, true. There were three deals that we didn't talk about. We Savali for Manzardo. Okay. Um, Seawall to Arizona. And that Jamer Candelario trade. Let's go in order then. Let's talk about Jaime Candelario to the Cubs. Aram, you put, both of you guys put out tweets about the prospects themselves. What should Nationals fans expect from that package? And then we'll talk about the impact of Candelario on the Cubs. Apparently Naylor just got scratched too, and people are like wondering what's up. But they said right side tightness, so we'll yeah. see. We'll see if anything comes of that in the next. No shot, Naylor's no. trade. I would be yeah. Shocked. I mean, because they got Manzardo, and yeah, I doubt it. Um, so I thought the trade was fun. Look, is it interesting to go from sellers perceived sellers to buyers that quickly? Like, yes, but like DJ Hers is a fun fun arm he has some potential but like you see these videos like Candelario rakes uh and he's been awesome this year and he's arguably one of the best bats on the market Kevin Made the other piece they gave up I, I always thought he was a little too hyped up by like you know Cubs fans and Cubs prospect evaluators they do a great job but like that was a guy that I think you know you endear yourself to because he's close to home hers has a lot of reliever risk I think it's very unlikely that you you know, look back and say that that trade was terrible. And it's very likely that Candelario instantly upgrades their lineup because they've got nothing from the corners, really, especially first base. And now they get a lot from first base with Candelario. I think this really makes the club, the Cubs a little bit scarier. And that offense is a little bit more balanced now. I, I think this was a fun move for them that didn't cost that much. 
So before we get to Jack's reaction to the trade, Tommy Pham was just traded to the Arizona Diamondbacks. Ooh. We are still waiting on that return, but a pretty damn good move for Arizona. They could use a bat like that. Tommy Pham, I thought, was one of the more underrated players at this deadline. He's got an OPS over 800, really hits left-handed pitching. You're not getting a ton defensively in the outfield, but you're getting a good veteran bat who's been around the league. And especially after, like we're going to talk about the Paul Seawald trade, after trading Canzone, they could use a guy like Tommy Pham. But before we get to that, because we still don't have the return yet, we'll go over that trade once we have all the details. Jack, what was your reaction uh, to your Cubs getting Candelaria? My Cubs? That's exciting. I get ownership. <laughs> They're kind of your Cubs. You like the yeah, Cubs. You own yeah, Chicago. Sort of, kind of. Yeah. I, I actively – yeah, I will own Chicago on this podcast. That's fine. Um, Yeah, no, I liked it, and I, I think Aram hit the nail on the head. In a in a market full of overpays, this was not an overpay. Uh, they, they were two flawed prospects that were moved by Chicago. So I, I thought that this was – it wasn't a heist by any stretch because Candelario was a rental, and Candelario – while he does rake is not like he's not put the team on your back for a week guy. Um, he just happened to be the best hitter along with Manessis and, and I guess Lane Thomas on, on a bad nationals offense. So um, I liked it for the Cubs. I thought it was simple. I thought it was one of those that didn't make me think any more than I needed to. It was okay. Hers, very talented guy. There are weeks that go by where he can't throw strikes. Uh, Mate again, Mate had a lot of prospect intrigue and as he climbed levels, uh, or maybe not climbed levels, it, it was, you know, starting to, starting to wear there. So no, I, I thought the Cubs did a great job with that one. Another move, big one. Aaron Savali is going to the Tampa Bay Rays in exchange yeah. for first base prospect, Kyle Manzardo. Arm and Jack, I liked Aaron Savali. I thought he was kind of one maybe the most underrated starting pitcher that was going to be dealt at the deadline, rocking a 2-3-4 ERA, right? But peripherals are a little bit scary. We're looking at a near an XERA near four. The Rays obviously see something, right? They turned Robert Stevenson from the Reds, who was a six ERA guy, down to a three ERA guy because they said, hey, throw your splitter more. And now he's a good um, reliever for the – it looks like Dylan sees yeah, be on no, the move. Yeah, Peter, can I can I hop in real quick? Hop, Two tweets hop, that I've seen in. in the last 60 seconds. Yeah, hop uh, in. Orioles close to acquiring Jack Flaherty from the Cardinals. So Orioles get Flaherty. Uh, there is growing buzz. This is per Mark Feinsand. There's growing buzz that the White Sox may trade Dylan Cease in the next 10 minutes per sources. Dodgers and Orioles seen as favorites if he's moved. Okay, Orioles. I mean, Jack Flaherty is not the move that I – I'm not going to say that the Orioles made a big move by getting Jack Flaherty. Like I said, is he going to be in their postseason rotation? Yeah, it helps. It helps. He is going to be in their postseason rotation. That's the thing. Good luck. I just, yeah. I mean, look, it helps. Maybe a change of scenery, working with better catchers and McCann and Adley will will help. True. Uh, Maybe maybe some some more adrenaline will get the stuff going, pitching in a better ballpark to to pitch in. Maybe that all helps. It's just just not what I would have expected. Expected. Um, you know, I just thought if you're going to make a move, you might as well go all the way. Like a team that's so afraid to make moves, you're going to give up a decent, um, a decent piece for a rental instead of just giving up some good pieces for a really good piece. I, I'd love to see what they do um, and, and who ends up going for Flaherty. 
but if, if they end up giving up a pretty good prospect for Flaherty, I'll be mind blown. Like it'll just be one of those where it's just like, what are what are we doing here? Um, what was the plan? Like, do you guys think that the Orioles are going to get both Flaherty and Cease? I think now this makes Cease a Dodger. That would be savage if they do that. Then Michael Elias would be drunk, and I would love it. I'm like waiting to see. Like I'm seeing, I'm getting texts of like returns. I don't know if it's a joke. I don't know if it's real. I don't know if it's not. Um, I'm just like waiting to see what the uh, what the return is for for a uh, Jack Flair. I feel like it's gonna be very light. Yeah, I think it's gonna be very light. I don't think it's gonna be much. Who who do we think? I mean, we have to wait till the buzzer here. But who do we think have been like the winners and the losers thus far? Let's I want to start with about, winners. Let's talk about the the day after. Let's because yeah. we need to kind of settle on all these moves. We'll do like a full episode going over the winners and the losers of the trade deadline instead of kind of off the top. We'll we'll do you. a bigger episode that. there. I feel that. I'm still waiting. Yeah, we're still waiting. So in the meantime, Aram, let's talk about Kyle Manzardo. Who are the Guardians yeah, yeah. getting back uh, for Aaron Savali? Because I was floored. Right? Yeah, I was, I was surprised. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I thought this was a fantastic get for, for the Guardians there. You know, you, you're getting a guy that can probably plug into your lineup next year. Um, the, the thing with, with Manzardo, it's been a slightly disappointing year. I, I really think he's dealt with a lot of bad, batted ball luck because his exit velocities have jumped. He's hitting the ball in the air more, yet his BABIP is way down and the numbers have been a little subdued. He was 22 at the start of the year in AAA, has mashed through the lower levels. I think with Manzardo, he was trying to tap into more power this year. And I think in turn, you know, it kind of compromised that plus hit tool that he has because he is a plus hitter at first base. There's above average power there. It's whether he taps into it consistently in games. And that's kind of the determining factor of, you know, whether he's, you know, an average big league first baseman or an above average big league first baseman. But I think with his approach, the field to hit and at least average power, he's a really good piece. And and I think as he you know matures and, and plays in the big leagues, maybe the power comes a little bit later in games, but he's shown the ability to hit hit the ball hard. A lot of similarities to, to Naylor, uh, and, and I, I think a better approach overall. He's a really good piece for them to get. Yeah, Jack, I don't know if you agree with this. In a vacuum, like if we don't see what the Guardians have in terms of pitching depth, we don't see what the Rays have in terms of prospect depth and, and big leaguers on the corners, I would say that the Guardians, quote-unquote, won this deal because moving forward, I would rather have Kyle Manzardo than I would Aaron Savali. But if you look at what the Rays could have given up, that's why Aram, I think, floated Kyle Manzardo's name a couple of weeks ago because you do have Isak Paredes and you do have Yandy Diaz on the corners and then you have Curtis Mead. And we saw Junior Caminero at the Futures game do look yeah. like a truck. Like I yeah. was like, he gave off Jordan-type vibes of just like an enormous human being. Just when he hits the baseball, it sounds like the baseball is like crunching under the pressure of it going off the bat. So they were able to give away a Kyle Manzardo. But at the same time, you gave away Kyle Manzardo for Aaron Savali, Jack. Yeah, no, I like Aaron Savali. I don't Kyle Manzardo like Aaron Savali. So this, this was very clear for me, like who I think came out on top. Uh, but Tampa needed a, a gap bridger to get to a healthy Drew Rasmussen and a healthy Shane Boz. And a healthy – I'm missing somebody else on the shelf. Who else is on the shelf? Well, Eflin's been banged up. Eflin, Springs. I, I, Springs. I was forgetting Springs. I mean, Rasmussen. 
Oh, wait, yeah, I think and you're like McClanahan's on an IL stint. Um, noted durable ace Tyler Glasnow certainly hasn't <laughs> been noted durable ace Tyler Glasnow. So they needed some security. And Savali, I know that Savali was dealing with an injury for the first couple months of this year, but Savali's just durable, man. You know Savali's going to get the ball for them every fifth day, which is going to be excellent. Return came in. Thank you behind the scenes. Cesar Prieto to St. Louis for Jack Flaherty. Yeah, it looks get. like a one for one. I like that get. Prieto yeah. is a good, good, really good bat to ball guy. I mean, it's, it's and, hit over everything else, but it's, like, it's a good little snag for them. And like we're saying, Orioles aren't feeling that. No. Not at, at all. all. At all. He's like a decent prospect, but there's a chance Michael Elias doesn't really know his name. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's, he would be one of the better prospects in, in a lot of different systems with just the numbers he's put up. He doesn't strike out. He puts bat on ball. And Literally, he's so far down the pecking order for them. That's fine. I'm glad they made a move like that. Like, who cares? Yankees are acquiring Keenan Middleton. Ooh. I mean, okay. There you go. Your <laughs> Yankees made a move. Brian Cashman's been asleep at the wheel. Uh, it's, we got three minutes till the deadline. He decided, you know what we need? A bullpen arm. And what's yeah. the one Yankee strength? This don't put us over the top. <laughs> I mean, just asleep at the wheel. Like, I'll have a rant on them later. Has anyone been more asleep than Heim Bloom? Was Colton Wong DFA'd? Yeah, he was DFA'd. Yeah, Colton Wong was just DFA'd. Okay, that's why he was hugging everybody. <laughs> yeah, that's tough. If we give up like a good prospect for Keenan Middleton, like I can't wait. I'm gonna hype up whoever it is, by the way. Oh, I can't. My, it's gonna be whoever awesome. it is was my favorite prospect in the Yankee system, Peter. I can't wait what to if it's get like Pereira. Jason has been <laughs> traded for Keenan Middleton. All right, I guess like, we'll see what they yeah, I'll see what they got in the meantime. So we just talked about Jack Flaherty to Baltimore. Um, we're still waiting on Dylan Cease details. We talked about Kyle Manzardo uh, for Aaron Savali. There was one more trade that Jack mentioned that we still haven't gone over, and that is the Paul Seawald trade. Oh, yeah. Jack, you called it an enormous return. Talk yeah. us through that. En- enormous. <laughs> like... Paul C- I like Paul Seawold. Paul Seawold was the closer for the Mariners, but they had a closer in waiting in Munoz, who I enjoy more than Paul Seawold, and I feel better about moving forward. I thought Arizona was going to be in the Bednar sweepstakes. Looks like Bednar is going nowhere. So for Arizona to get a closer, it was going to cost some, some capital, and that was some serious capital. Paul Seawald, yes, like he's got that great sweeper. I think Arizona got better in the back of the bullpen, but it was a very steep price, man. It was, I mean, Josh Rojas, who is kind of a tweener, like he's certainly not going to be an everyday guy, but better than be Wong. Platoon bat. Better than Wong. Yes, he is better than Wong. And you get a big league ready bat to ball outfielder in Dominic Canzone, who I think, I, I, Arm, correct me if I'm wrong, but like hit tool carries him, but he's got enough in the speed department and he can play a decent outfield. And like yeah, no, he may he sneak it. 10 to 15 out. Um, and then Ryan Bliss has had an amazing year in double A for Arizona. He was one of the reps of the futures game for the Diamondbacks. So I, I think Pipeline had Canzone at 19 and Bliss at 29. That's just so wrong. Like yeah. Canzone was in the 10 range and Bliss was probably in the 10 to 15 range. 100%. I agree. They, with both paid, they paid big time, big time, big yeah. time. No doubt. I, I thought they did well. You upgrade a second base, even if it's marginal, you get another outfielder that can help with, you know, given that Kalnick's out and he plays good defense. And, uh, you know, I, I thought they did. I thought they did well overall. And then Bliss is a solid prospect to add. So uh, it was a creative trade. And I, I thought I thought they did a good job. And we, we knew that teams would have to get creative and thought they did just that. 
Yep. New trade across the ticker. Phillies are closing in on a deal with Pittsburgh. The Phillies will be sending Pittsburgh left-handed pitcher Bailey Falter in exchange for Rodolfo Castro. I'm going to have to cross Castro out of my scorebook. I wrote him in. He was supposed to, I think, hit second for the Indianapolis Indians tonight. So Castro is not hitting second for the Indianapolis Indians in about an hour. Any thoughts? I mean, Pirates had a lefty pitcher, can spot start, or could be a decent reliever. I've always liked Castro a little bit. I think he does have upside with the bat. He cannot hit right-handed pitching this year. That's not. Cannot. 900 OPS against lefties. So, hey, hit him against lefties. And the Phillies haven't been that good against lefties this season. So maybe they're just looking for a little bit of a platoon guy. And they found 900 OPS. Oh, cease officially staying. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, Castro, 900 <laughs> OPS, whatever. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Castro, 900 OPS against lefties, I think like a 460 OPS against righties. So unusable against right-handed pitching, um, very usable against left-handed pitching. That kind of pisses me off that Cease is not going anywhere. Talk us through it. Talk us through why the White Sox decided Dylan Cease is not going to be traded. I was on the phone with Aram. Um, I was on the phone with Matt Spiegel, who's a consistent guest from 670 The Score, and you know we were talking about possible packages. And the packages that we settled on was Kerstad. The one that I think excited us most was Heston Kerstad, Joey Ortiz, and Kyle Stowers. That would have been a trajectory-altering package for the Chicago White Sox. Baltimore would have gotten their ace moving forward, and the White Sox would have had three guys that can absolutely be in the White Sox lineup tomorrow. I think Kerstad is ready for a big league debut. Uh, Ortiz is being blocked like crazy right now. And, I mean, Stowers, like, he he has struggled a little bit, but he's been given, like, absolutely zero opportunity. So, I think with, with the King's ransom that was going to come through for Dylan Cease, that kind of really pisses me off that he's still here. Yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised that the Orioles didn't pony up and give the prospects. I'm surprised that the Dodgers at the at the buzzer didn't send, all right, we'll give you Sheehan, or we'll give you someone big, right? You know, they lost out on Erod. He said no. The Dodgers do need starting pitching. You know, they're going to get Walker Buehler back. I'm surprised by that. I really am, and I'm not surprised by the Orioles. I'm just not. I'm just not surprised I, by I the think- Orioles. I think it was the White Sox asking price. I have a feeling that it was just so stupidly ridiculous that it it just was a joke. They were hoping someone panicked. They were probably hoping someone panicked, and Andrew Freeman probably goes, all right, like we're not giving you Mookie bets for him. (laughs) We're not going to trade everybody out of the sod. Orioles do, again, do nothing. uh, We're hearing that from Joshua. Yeah, I mean, like how are are we supposed to be shocked? No, <laughs> no. Drew Rom also to St. Louis with uh, yeah, Rito. yeah. Decent arm, <laughs> decent arm, decent arm. Yeah, he's fine. Yeah. He's fine. Dominic wow. Leone traded to the Angels. Okay, that's yeah, a player. Is- that's a player to a team. Yeah, that's about it. <laughs> Not a very fun buzzer there. The Yankees are so pathetic. The Yankees are so pathetic. They are... But they trade. You you cowards. You stood pat. They got Keenan Middleton. 
Don't flash that dumbass graphic in front of they me. They got Keenan Middleton. Hey, thanks to Cohen for flashing they, the graphics. We got, we got to a dump in a few, too. Yeah, we got to run. I actually got to run right now. I got a game to call in 56 minutes, and I know that you guys are hopping on another stream as well. But, uh, yeah, kind of underwhelming buzzer, but this was fun. And I, I'm a sucker for a seller's market, and uh, we got one this year. We definitely did. So that'll do it for this episode of the Just Baseball Show. We will, of course, be back all day uh, tomorrow and then the next day and then everything moving forward. Uh, we're going to do winners and losers of the trade deadline. If you guys want to get on the Bleacher app, Bleacher Report app, yep. um, Arm and I will be on there talking more deadline stuff. So come talk there. Um, definitely support Just Baseball Show by getting yourself some Just Baseball merch. We are brought to you by BetMGM. We'll be back tomorrow. That's Arm, that's Jack, and I'm Peter. Guys, thank you on YouTube, everybody, for listening. 